At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hey everyone, it's Kristen. This week's episode is again going to be a little bit different from our regularly scheduled programming. It is the second in our two-part Genius Homecoming series. My family is finally starting to get settled into our new home. So in celebration and in comfort, I wanted to share a couple recipes that have been in my family for years and we make at home all the time. The first recipe was my husband Mike's crispy fried eggs that changed not only the way that we turn just about anything into a happy dinner, but also the person that I want to be in the kitchen. Laid back, open-minded, and always learning. And now, we come to the banana bread that I turn to most often. Even though I have geniused and loved several other banana breads before, one from Nigel Slater that had fancy sugar and chocolate, one from Lucy Cufflin that had a full cup of mayonnaise, and one from Samantha Senevaratna that took half the time because it was actually a scone. But the one that my mom always made when I was growing up is the one that I actually make the most often. Anytime I need a gift or a pick-me-up, or both, since it makes two loaves, one for us, one for them, or whenever my freezer gets precariously full of overripe bananas and they start falling out on my feet, I know it's time, and I can get it in the oven in about 15 minutes with whatever baking supplies I have on hand. It was even my daughter's first birthday cake, with plenty of chocolate chunks and sparkly sugar on top. Of course, she was completely confused by what I think was her very first cake and all of the people singing to her over Zoom, and she ended up in tears, but that's another story. Now, she will eat outrageous amounts of it before we realize what's happening, so I think she's destined to get attached to this recipe for life, just like me. And like me, I hope that she'll make it her own. As you'll hear in the episode, this recipe has evolved a lot in my family since my Aunt Peggy first shared it with my mom, Susan. From a spiral-bound community book called A Plan for All Seasons, a menu cookbook by the Stanford Junior Women of Pasadena. The notes on my mom's hand-copied recipe say they made it at Christmas 1983, which means that it was one of my first cakes, too. And one final note. Because we recorded this episode as the last in our old kitchen before packing it all up, the sound quality is going to be a little bit more echoey than usual. But that means that you will get to hear the sounds of banana bread live, of exquisitely ripe frozen bananas squelching into the bowl, bringing my husband Mike so much horror and me so much joy. If you want to actually see how it's made, we recorded a video at the same time that is over on Food52's YouTube channel. We will link to it in the show notes. But here on this episode, you will get the rest of the story. I will meet you back in our kitchen for all of that after the break. Hey, it's me again. If you're enjoying this very special episode, 
head over to the Genius Recipe Tapes and hit subscribe so you don't miss out on other recipes and stories. Like our last Genius Homecoming episode with my husband Mike about his locally famous fried eggs with color commentary from the author himself. In the second half of this episode, we get to hear all of the banana bread action and all of the ways that I just can't help but change this recipe, and yet it always feels exactly like home. Meet you back here for that. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. So while I have written about so many different banana breads over the years in the Genius Recipes cookbooks and even on the site, and I do make them and I do love them all for different reasons, this is the one that I actually make most often for a few reasons. I think partly it's because it just tastes right to me because it's the one that I grew up with. And also it's the one that I felt freest to kind of push and pull and do all kinds of things with, like melting the butter instead of creaming shortening and tweaking the flours and the sugars and the mix-ins and all of that. And I think that those are kind of key to having a recipe that you make all the time. You need to be able to make it fit into your life. I'm actually really excited because the first thing that we have to do is going to look horrible. <laughs> There's no way around it. When you're making banana bread, you know you have to use the ripest, stinkiest, like, most banana-y bananas, and if you're using them while they're still fresh, they're gonna be covered in brown spots. A lot of times I'm making them not from fresh bananas because usually I have like, you know, two or three bananas on the bunch. They get too ripe too quickly and I throw them in the freezer. And then I make banana bread one day and they look like this. <laughs> they turn black in the freezer from oxidizing but there's nothing wrong with them, and they're perfect for banana bread. But you do have to interact with... <laughs> what do you mean there's nothing wrong with them? There's nothing wrong with them. They are perfect for this. And then it's so convenient because you get to just kind of like squeeze them out. I know that some people are more organized and they actually like cut up their bananas and freeze them in... I don't know what, freezer bags or something beforehand so that they can put them in smoothies. Um, they can make that one ingredient banana ice cream that is so popular, first in the vegan community and now everywhere. I wrote about it as a genius recipe on Food 52 from the kitchen years ago. But I don't usually take the time to chop and bag my bananas. There's a lot of extra liquid that comes from freezing them and then defrosting them, like their poor cell walls have the, the liquid that's inside has frozen and burst some cell walls and like 
stuff's melting out everywhere. I think in some recipes you might not want that extra liquid, but in this case, I've always usually left it in and I think it just adds more banana flavor and it doesn't do weird things to the recipe. The recipe is kind of unbreakable, so extra banana liquid, not a problem. I think I'm almost through all my banana matter. Let's see, any more in here? No, I think that's it, okay. So after the, the visceral horror and joy that comes from melting out all of this banana matter, I get to mash it with a potato masher, which is really easy to do, obviously. Perfect. Oh, perfectly cooked. Yes. <laughs> it looks good, right? I mean, that, it's like all reincorporated. All that liquid is now in this creamy banana puree. It's gonna make the banana bread really moist and squidgy and banana-y and perfect. Yeah, it looks really good. Mm -hmm. So this part is where I deviate a little bit from my mom's recipe and I'll explain why. The recipe my mom has always used, it originally called for shortening that gets creamed. So whipped up, you know, good and fluffy with sugar. I use butter because it's what I have. You know, times have changed. Shortening is not as popular anymore. I like the flavor of butter, but I don't want to wait for it to be soft enough to cream, so I melt it. The recipe can take it. It's really good. So I just pour my melted butter in. If it's still a little bit hot, that's okay. Even though eggs are about to go in too, I just, you know, sometimes that's even a good reason to leave the frozen banana a little bit frozen because it'll help cool down the butter. Mix that in. Oh yeah, dump my sugar in. This is another place where I have deviated just slightly from my mom. Not for any real reason, I just decreased the sugar a tiny bit by like 50 grams. But you can do it based on your mood too. If you want a banana bread that's less sweet, you can decrease it more. If you want a banana bread that is just like super delicious and pretty sweet, just use my mom's original recipe and it's perfect. Okay, and then there's a column for my dad's version, which was made in the early 80s, height of you know fear of cholesterol. And so everything about my dad's version is lighter and healthier at that time, what the perception of healthier and lighter was at that time. So as you can see, it's not real eggs, it's scramblers. I don't even know if they make scramblers anymore, but fake eggs with low or no cholesterol. Instead of flour, it's oat bran and flour. Instead of sugar, it's honey. Instead of shortening, it's like less shortening. No salt and one fewer banana. I don't know why. <laughs> just like, just, uh, just to make sure it tastes really healthy. Um, and then more baking soda. I'm also not sure why. Um, <laughs> I can just imagine my mom and dad, my mom follows recipes, my dad does not and it drives my mom a little bit crazy. So I can just picture my dad riffing and doing his healthier, low cholesterol version for good reason. It's in our family, this, there's a need for that. I don't mean to mock my dad. I can just picture him doing his low cholesterol version and my mom kind of following him around and writing down all the things he changed so that he could do it again if he wanted to. And him probably, you know, not really paying much attention. Anyway, this is where the eggs go in. <laughs> Thank you. 
or scramblers, if that's your thing. Yeah, if they exist. Okay, we have all our wet stuff. Dry stuff is just flour. You could riff and do kind of a combo of all-purpose flour and a whole grain flour. I've done that before. Today, I'm just using all-purpose. A little bit of salt and two teaspoons of baking soda. Oops. Plus whatever. <laughs> Made <you> it. <laughs> two teaspoons, unless you're my dad in 1983 and it was three teaspoons. All right. And it's supposed to be sifted, but I'm just gonna whisk it because that's what I do in my version. And here, sometimes I still keep the masher going just because it seems fun, but it does get a little globbier, so I might switch to the silicone spatula instead since I need to use it to scrape it into the container anyway. And in my mom's recipe, she calls for a cup of chopped nuts, but I don't have walnuts or pecans right now, so instead I'm just doing chocolate chips. Not the same thing, but to me, I like this as just a straight up banana bread, but I know banana bread is very, very personal. And for me, I like to break up the banana with either walnuts or chocolate or both. My parents are not with me on the chocolate, I found out, and that's okay. I still send them a picture of it pretty much every time I make it. <laughs> chocolate chips, mom and dad. I'm my own woman. <laughs> Do what I want. It's all because I had a roommate in college who made her mom's banana bread with chocolate chips like in a skillet and then we ate it warm. And I was like, wow, banana bread with chocolate chips is where it's at. So this recipe makes enough for two loaf pans. I don't have two loaf pans, so I always do one loaf and one whatever shape I have. So this is an eight by eight. The recipe doesn't say to butter the pans, but I always do. I actually don't know if it's necessary, but I always have the wrappers from the two sticks of butter. So. Can't hurt. And then I just eyeball this so that it's like, you know, it looks like about the right amount to fill up a loaf pan. It rises a lot, so you probably don't want to go more than like two thirds full. But whatever amount you do, just take them out when they're done. I know that sounds really obvious, but you just gotta check them. It's a cooking show. <laughs> Your job. <laughs> I mean, you could weigh the amount that's going in here and here, and I could give you rough times, but no matter what with any cake or any quick bread, it's gonna vary depending on what kind of pan you're using, your oven, all that, um, your banana liquid. So I just eyeball it, and I know that this one usually takes longer than this one because it's more stacked and denser. So this one usually comes out like, I don't know, after 25 minutes, 20 minutes? Just check it early. This is not the kind of recipe that's gonna deflate if you open the oven. Oh, a lot of times I do sprinkle some crunchy sugar on top. I should do that. It makes it really good. I guess that's another way I deviate. These are going in the oven at 350. They will take different amounts of time and I will watch them. So we have two. Baked banana breads cooled enough to eject from their pans. I probably could have ejected them when they were still a little bit warm, but this will be a guarantee. All right, voila. It's got the good crust. It's got the good squidginess in the middle. Got the little chocolate pockets. Oh, wow. Ooh, chocolate pockets for days. 
I'm really excited to eat this because I made it exactly the way I like it. Oh my gosh, I got chocolate all over my hand. <laughs> mm hmm It is all about that sugary, crusty top, that like heavy, almost molten banana-y middle, and then the pockets of chocolate, if that's your sort of thing. I also like to sometimes chop up dark chocolate instead of doing chocolate chips. That is also very good. Okay, that is it for our two-part Genius Homecoming series. For now, at least. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much for your support over 10 years and approximately now four banana breads of Genius Recipes, especially as you have heard me in so many different closets and seen me in so many kitchens over the last year. And if you try my family's banana bread, whether it is my version or my dad's or my mom's or my aunt's, let me know if it knocks your own go-to recipe out and why. Our show this week is put together by Coral Lee, Amy Schuster, Ben Acevedo, and Emily Hanhan. And let us know what you thought of this episode format. Did you love it? Did you hate it? We want to hear about it. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes and the Food of T2 Podcast Network, the very best thing that you can do to support us and help other people find the show is to just take a moment and leave us a rating or review. Or send this episode to someone in your life who also collects the gnarliest bananas in their freezer and could use a very good home for them. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week.